What is up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada Athletics, episode 157. I am your host, Matt Anifin. I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Bros. Isaiah, for the first time since 2010, for the second time since 1998, the Nevada Wolfpack football team has defeated, has knocked down, has dethroned, kind of, sort of, has beaten, has downed the Boise State Broncos. Isaiah, how are you feeling? I mean, you can't feel much better. You can't? No, you can't. I mean, it's it's just a great feeling all around. And I feel even better after you brought that energy just right into it. I love everything about it. I wanted to say also the first time since 1997, but that would have thrown the first time since 2010 off. For the first time since 1997, Isaiah, we have beaten Boise State on the blue turf. We, I think, entered 2-18 and 18 all-time on the blue turf against Boise State. Um, you also want to know a fun fact? Let's hear it. Since December of 2020, Nevada has twice as many victories on the blue turf than Boise State. Crazy. Or since the start it's of since December. The start. Since yeah. the start. That's pretty good. Real uh, good. People, people. We don't like Boise to talk State about fan, it. Boise State fans might not want to talk about it. It's okay. It's all right. We're here for your. You. We could be your therapist, maybe. Your fact checkers. You know, just yeah. bringing the facts. That's, that's listen, all we do around listen, here. Yeah, we're bringing the facts. It's it's a factual statement. Um, Boise State's had two games, three games, something like that on the blue turf in that span. Um. Nevada ha- Nevada's had two with the bowl game, and then um, the game against Boise State. Boise State's one and one on the year at home. Um, actually, might be one and two. I'm not sure, um, but they have one home victory. Nevada has now a road victory on the blue turf. Again, it's pretty cool. People won't, people might not want to talk about it. People forget it, but it's true. Oh no, no, we're gonna beat the hammer on that one. Yeah. No, just a great win all around, great performance on both sides, and I know I'm excited to get into it for sure. First, before we jump into all of it, let's get through, um, let's let's recap the rest of the fall sports, women's soccer. Um, they won this weekend. They had their first conference win against Air Force 2-0. Um, they also lost to the Colorado College 2-0, but... Um, it's nice to see them pick up their first conference victory of the season, their second victory in total this season. Um, I think they're now 1-2-1 and one in conference play. They had the tie against Boise State. Um, they lost a couple other conference games earlier in the season, and now they picked up their first one. Yeah, no, let's get the ball rolling a little bit. And First win in conference is always big and something to keep you know going moving forward. And then women's volleyball had a tough weekend on the road. They lost to Utah State and to Boise State, um, both in three to one sets. Um, not a good conference start for the Wolfpack volleyball team. No, it's just been a rough start to the year, and hopefully, conference play gets them rolling a little bit. But like you said, just not the best start to conference play whatsoever. Just got to pick it up a little bit and keep playing. They are 3-12 and on the season, 0-4 in conference play. They return home this weekend versus Colorado State and Wyoming. 
Um, they lost their first two home conference games to San Diego State Univ. We talked about that on the last podcast, episode 156. Um, hopefully they're able to bounce back and at least put together a more competitive performance um, this weekend against Colorado State and Wyoming. But, yeah, we need like we just better overall performance would be key. And then finally, women's volleyball had their first – or not volleyball, women's – Softball had their first scrimmages over the weekend. They had the blue and silver scrimmage, I think they call it. Um, that was on Saturday, and then they had another scrimmage against Southern Utah on Sunday. But there was no stats, so we don't really know how they did. Kind of interesting how they had, I think, a scrimmage in October. I don't know. I thought that was a not a subplot, but just an interesting little factoid. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it's kind of interesting just to get going in that aspect. You know, spring sports. Not trying to say they're right around the corner since we're right in the middle of fall sports. Going <laughs> right, on, but, yeah. you know, just we haven't even gotten to basketball season yet. <laughs> no. But hey, it's cool to see Nevada softball get a couple games, couple practices, and get their legs moving in that regard too. And then, last but not least, let's dive into the story of the weekend out of Wolfpack sports. Um, the Nevada football team again. We just, we just talked about it a little bit ago but um they beat boise state for the first time since 2010 which is the of course the blue friday game that we all know and love when nevada beat boise state at home 34 31 um, ending any bcs title hopes that boise state had and any rose bowl hopes that boise state had um at the time when i think boise state was ranked third fourth in the nation um and nevada was ranked 19th and then it was, it was just good. Nevada's had a bunch of competitive games against Boise State in recent memory, but this one they were finally able to entrench themselves and put themselves over the top. Um, they beat Boise State this last weekend, 41 to 31. I still We can talk about it in a little bit, but I still think they left some points up on the board. Nevada forced three turnovers, which we haven't seen often. They had six sacks, which is the best they've had against the FBS team um, this season and the best since they had eight sacks on the blue turf in the bowl game against Tulane. Um, Carson Strong looked pretty good. Nevada's run game finally got going. Um, we haven't really seen that much this year. Or we haven't really seen that at all this year, aside from the Idaho State game, which you can only take with a grain of salt because it's an FCS school. And so there was a lot of encouraging performances from this Wolfpack team. Um, Nevada's run defense played well. I mean, Holani had not Holani, uh, Cyrus Habibi Likio had 10 carries for 46 yards. Um, Andrew Van Buren had like, I want to say 34 yards, 30 yards, something like that, um, on 11 carries. So, I mean, Nevada did a good job once again at stopping the run. We talked about it last podcast, how Boise State's run offense has been terrible, and it's been um, something's got to give in this game, and Nevada's run defense ultimately came up on top. Um, and it's, it's just last but not least, I mean, scoring 41 points in a game, and you can't ask much for much more. Um, I was talking to my dad after the game. It didn't really even feel like they scored 41 points, to be honest with you. It felt like they scored, like, 24. Um, but it was just a very good overall performance. Um, the second half left a little to be desired, a little bit, just offensively speaking. Or not the second half, probably primarily towards the end of the game. The second half, we were, like, good. Um, overall, we outscored 
Boise State. I think it was like 21 to 3 before they had that garbage time touchdown towards the end. But anyways, I'm going to stop talking and let you go. No, no, no. You said all the right things right there. I mean, I think the biggest (laughs) takeaway to this point was that we talked about in the previous podcast was got to make plays. I think that was the biggest thing. If you're going to beat Boise State on the blue turf and make history in that regard, got to make plays and it's going to be on both sides of the football. And we saw that. And in different facets, which makes me excited because, as you said, I just highlight what the defense did, helping that second-half explosion. Yeah, like you said, we outscored them 18-3 to in the third quarter and had another field goal in the fourth before they, like you said, had that garbage-time touchdown. And if getting... you believe in garbage-time, yeah. I'm not a big garbage-time guy, but, like, it was kind of a garbage-time touchdown if there was a garbage-time touchdown. I feel that. I feel that. I'm kind of with you there. And just forcing two fumbles, the interception from Henley was so huge, just getting the ball back into our offense's hands and... I mean, I think one of the biggest storylines on offense you have to talk about is the run game. I mean, where has this been? I'm not trying to say all year because, like you said, it, it came up in week two. But just against top-tier level competition, relying on the run game was something that was so surprising to me in a great way. I mean, really showing what Toa Tower is capable of. We're talking 12 carries, 124 yards, two touchdowns. Then another seven for 44 out of the backfield. Seven team catches. High, team high seven catches. No one. I mean, Lockhart had like five. I think Dubs had like six, something like that. But yeah, team high seven catches for 44 yards. We don't see that much out of Toa. You want to talk about running with a purpose. Toa yeah. Tower ran with fury. Yeah. That Saturday. one. I can't remember if it was the 12-yard touchdown or the 22-yard touchdown, but like he he trucked JL Skinner like as he was crossing the goal line in the end zone. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> I mean, he would have made it anyways, but it just still like to add the extra like oomph to it. Like I was pretty it was a very good run and that was I think that was out on a possession where Nevada had like they were on the goal line at first and they had a couple penalties that pushed them back and so it's like they offense almost did everything they could to not score a touchdown there until it still found a found a way to get into the end zone um, at a pretty crucial part of the game because that's when around that time when Nevada really separated themselves from Boise State. Definitely. And I think, you know, one of the players we haven't talked about, we always mention his name because he's always such a focal part, you know, probably the best player on this team is Carson Strong. And I thought going into this game, it was going to be a battle between Bachmeyer, Hank Bachmeyer, the quarterback for Boise State, and Carson Strong. I thought both of them were going to have to answer back and forth with their right arms. Strong still had a strong, oh my gosh, Strong still had a good performance, <laughs> you know, 25 for 38, 263 and one. But when he's getting that help from the run game, you want to talk about just giving it a balanced attack and not having to put the emphasis of the entire offense on Strong's arm. I just thought that was one of the biggest takeaways. And one of the things I came away so impressed by on the offensive end, as well as what the defense did, stuffing the run, Making timely plays once again, getting the ball back into the offense's hands. Those are the type of plays you need to make throughout conference play because it's still going to be a battle from here on out. And I I just can't say enough about how well Nevada performed, even with putting, you know, leaving points on the board towards the end of the game. It could have been much worse or, you know, much larger in terms of the scoreboard. Which is crazy. Crazy to think that you beat them by 10. And I really felt after... You know, just leading twenty, trailing twenty-one to twenty at the first half. Nevada was in control from that second half on, and just a complete performance. Special teams did great. Brandon Talton did awesome. Just all three phases was something you can take away positively, and that's what you needed to do against a team that's historically dominated you. So, yeah, I mean, just how can you not be happy with that? It was big, big time. 
Is this the worst Boise State team we've seen in our lifetime? Like that—that's a genuine question. Through five games, um, it's kind of tough to answer. I mean, what do you think? I before, mean, before I give my perspective, what do you think? I'm trying to think back of like, because I am not a college football, let alone Mountain West conference football historian by any means. But you know, dating back to my freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, when Brett Rippon mm-hmm. was under center. I know they still had some serious talent, especially on the defensive side of the football, if that comes to mind. Curtis Weaver. Thank you. And even some in the offensive line, Ezra Cleveland comes to mind. Mm -hmm. um, But with that being said, there are some serious holes from Boise State this year that Nevada really exposed and other teams this year have really exposed, especially in the non-conference portion of their schedule, hence why they're off to kind of a slow start now and... I mean, I don't know if I can definitively say just from my perspective because okay. I don't know the teams that well, but it's certainly up there. It's nothing – obviously, it's nothing like the Kellen Moore days. And I know the Brett Rippon, when Rippon was under center for Boise State just a few years ago, they were still pretty darn good in terms of matching up in conference play. But there's – like this year's team is – wow, just like there's some serious voids that need to be filled on – all phases of the football, and yeah, I mean, I think you bring up a good point when asking you about that. I mean, do you think this is historically one of the worst teams you've seen from Boise State? Histor- I, I mean, I'm just trying to phrase it within my lifetime because, I mean, the earliest memories of at least me watching it would be Kellen Moore. Um, but this is, I, man, I don't... It's a tough question to answer because it's also like when you look at their record... Yes, they're two and three, but their first two losses came by a combined, like, what, five, six points? I mean, they barely lost to UCF. They lost by one at home um, to Oklahoma State, 21-20. Neither team scored a point in the second half in that game. Um, And so it's a little bit deceiving in that aspect, but, like, man, their offensive line is not good at all. Run blocking or pass blocking, I mean – and then, I mean, their defense leaves a little bit to be desired. I mean, they look pretty good against Nevada, to be honest. Or at least they're not, they didn't look pretty good. Their pass rush looked effective at times against Nevada. Um, Skinner, of course, is a beast, but like, just in general, like, their defense hasn't been that great. Um, Bachmeyer, like, Bachmeyer's getting beat up back there, man. Like, it, they're just not, there's just no protection for me. I mean, Nevada did a good job of getting to him multiple times throughout the afternoon, forcing him into some tough throws. Like that one uh, throw to Khalil Shakir where Shakir caught it one-handed. I mean, he just like lofted it up because Nevada brought uh, multiple guys and um, and he got hit in the backfield. Like it was just one of those like Brian Ward saw a weakness and he attacked it. Definitely. With some of the pressures that he was calling in the, and some of the stunts, I mean, Tristan Nichols, I mean, we need to talk about him more. I mean, he's been Nevada's best defensive line this year, and he wasn't even on the depth chart to begin the year. He had two sacks, um, his second forced fumble of the year, and he's getting he's getting after the quarterback at ease and not just this game, but, like, each game that he's played in, it feels like. I don't know if you remember, but when, you know, former and – crucial PAC Center members, Tyler Seth and Austin Paschke were on the pod talking 
Nevada's 2020 season preview, we each picked an impact player on offense and defense. I picked Tristan Nichols. Did you? Big shout out T Nicks. <laughs> so, um, no, he's been that. huge. And, you know, just one of the key cogs as to why Nevada had six sacks on Saturday and forcing constant pressure on the quarterback. You, you guessed it. I mean, he's been so big these past couple weeks and something to, you know, certainly keep an eye on, has the talent to do so. Yeah, and it's just like, I don't know. I mean, in 2013, they went like, I want to say like eight and five, but they were still pretty good in conference play. Um, that was a couple years after Kellen left, and they had like Grant Hedrick a quarterback, something like that. Um, and so, but like they've been consistently a ten-win team ever since, and they've been a consistently ten-win team at least beforehand um, under Chris Peterson. And so, it's still strange to me. It's just eerie. Like I don't. I think this might be, but like I don't. It's. I don't want to say it's too small of a sample, but it's only five out of 12 games. I mean, half the season hasn't even been done yet for Boise State. We're still, like, jumping to conclusions just like we all, like we always do, not just on a week-to-week basis, um, but in an entire year. I don't know. It just – I want to pose that question because I want to see what you thought. But I don't, I don't know if I have a conclusion yet, but it might be. It might be. It yeah. might be. It I, might, I'm going to say – I'm going to for now, I'm going to say it might be. I – don't have much of an idea. It's a good point you bring up, though, that it's too early to tell, and their losses have come from some serious crucial mistakes, just late in moments and giving up leads. Three so, second-half turnovers? It's been bad. Like, it's there's no question to it. can't remember who it was, but... Um, like, they had, the, they had the two turnovers with the fumbles. I mean, Jordan Lee ripped one out. Um, of course, the first play of the second half, Nichols, who we just talked about, uh, had a strip sack, his second of the year. This time it wasn't returned for a touchdown. But, um, and then we had, uh, and then Henley had the interception where like CT Thomas, I think it was CT Thomas, like bobbled it, and he juggled it off the catch. So I mean, it wasn't on Bachmeyer at all, but it just goes in the book as an interception because he bobbled it. Henley had to be right there when the ball popped out of his hands, or officially was out of his hands and. Henley was there to intercept it and have a decent return. Like he ran all the way across the field, which was funny. But like it was still, I don't know, three second half turnovers. Nevada only had 11 points off turnovers. They had the touchdown plus the two point conversion. Um, they had the, they had a field goal, one of Talton's four field goals. And Talton, by the way, won special teams player of the week. Congratulations. He and Toa, Mountain West offensive player of the week as well. So two awards. But, um, one of Talton's four field goals came um, after one of the turnovers, and then Nevada's last turnover, I think Nevada's last turnover was the interception. Um, they didn't score any points out of it, which was just one of the few drives where I just think they were a little bit too passive later in the game. Um, Boise State, again, did have the touchdown drive at the end, and Nevada was already up 17, so they were up already up three scores. But um, I still think they, again, left a, a few points up on the board. Like, if you were to score a touchdown on one of those other drives and maybe a field goal or an additional field goal on, like, if you were to score eight points and then seven points and then three points or something like that, that automatically puts Nevada at 51 points. It's pretty wild. Yeah, that's pretty crazy yeah. now that you bring it up. But, <laughs> but a big win, huge win yeah, nonetheless. Nevertheless, nevertheless. Let's make history. Hashtag that. Uh, that's terrible. It's probably already. Yeah, throw it away. Throw that one away. Throw that in the garbage. Hashtag that one. Throw that one away too. 
Let's just on. shut up, Isaiah. <laughs> Come on. Just shut up. Focus on the doc. Yeah, we don't need additional hashtags. Unless, I don't know. It'd be, what, what if Nevada brought the blue cannon to Boise State? I would love it if they just brought the cannon to every away game. We've talked about you know, it before. I've laughed very hard at that. <laughs> you just bring, just, the just bring the blue cannon to every game. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, they shouldn't. Just just keep it in the room. That's Keep it in the, uh, the the little area that it's in. But I thought it'd just be funny to just bring it to the blue field. <laughs> I don't know why that popped in my head. But. Yeah, I don't know. Bring it out to the pregame warm-ups. Nevada's second home game will be against New Mexico State this weekend. Um, New Mexico State, they've been better. Still not good. Um, they're one of the worst teams i think in college football um their only win was against an fcs program they've had four games against mountain west programs they've been better though they barely lost this, uh, san jose state last weekend 37 31 um I, they've lost by an average of like 13 points something like that to uh, mountain west programs this season um jonah johnson's a good quarterback or he's been better but he he had a good weekend this last week and he had three touchdowns and interception 300 yards passing um, they throw the ball a lot. They throw the ball just as much as Nevada does. So expected, if anything, expected to be a high-scoring game. Um, they may try to get the running backs going a little bit just to keep Nevada. Just it, it, pretty much the same game plan that everyone's house else has had is trying to get trying to establish to run to get more manageable situations and to keep Nevada, uh, Nevada's offense on the sideline if they're able to. Um, but they they're gonna throw the ball a lot. Nevada, I think, opened as like a 31-point favorite, which seems insane to me. Um, I feel like it's been like like that a lot for New Mexico State this year, and they've covered most of those games. So I'm kind of sort of expecting them to cover again, although this is the best offense they've faced. Um, no disrespect to San Jose State, but I, again, do think that this is the best offense they faced. Um I mean, Hawaii is also pretty good. Offense. Also, New Mexico State plays Hawaii twice this year. Kind of a weird fact. That sucks. Um, uh, speaking of Hawaii, um, they beat Fresno uh, State. What an upset. You don't want to travel to Hawaii. Yeah. Moral yeah. of the story, we've, Yeah, we've talked about it. Yeah, traveling to Hawaii, not great. It must be the coconuts. I don't... Just... Just, just move on. <laughs> okay. Um, but anyways, yeah, they beat... Fresno State over the weekend. Jay Kaner had five turnovers, man. Um, at least I think it was five, something like that. Four picks, a fumble. Um, I think they had six turnovers in total. I think if my memory serves correctly, but um, I think one of the last podcasts we've done, we've talked about, we talked about the schedule. And we I put Hawaii on there because it's just I don't know. Every time I think of playing in Honolulu. It's like the best home field advantage in the Mountain West because it's in a different time zone. Like everyone's thrown off. Um, kind of weird watching a game nine o'clock at night and it's still sunlight over there. That kind of threw me off when watching it. But um, it's just I don't. I just feel like that's the best home field advantage. I don't think it, I just have I, nothing factual behind this, but I don't feel like anyone plays good in um, Honolulu or anyone meaning any road team plays good in Honolulu. It's just I don't know. I'm totally with you. It's weird. Stuff goes on down there. Anyways, yeah. New Mexico State. We just sidetracked for a moment. Sorry. Sorry. We always have to. We have to mention Fresno State at least once on this podcast. It's kind of a new rule that we have. 
Um, but Nevada, <laughs> New Mexico State plays um, Hawaii twice this year after this uh, game against Nevada. Or after this game against New Mexico State, Nevada, I believe actually yeah. played or at home against Hawaii in two weeks. And then we have a lovely uh, Northern California date with Fresno State. So um, if you just want to. We just tied that all in. Wow. Yeah, I know that was pretty pretty impressive by you right there. That's yeah. some that's some schedulic poetry right off, there. Off the top. Um off the yeah, top. that was not on the dock. Yeah. <laughs> um no, I just think in terms of New Mexico State this weekend. We should beat him badly. Yeah, I'm I guessing don't know. I feel like thirty one points is a big spread. I'm gonna go forty to thirteen. I'm feeling like 27. a forty one thirteen. All right, so you barely have New Mexico State. Yeah, and I think Strong's going to stuff up the stat sheet. I'm not expecting it. Yeah. I th- I'm thinking like 362 and three, somewhere around there. Ooh. If you okay. want to do like an over under 350 and three, uh, I'll take the over on that. That sounds like a lot, but I'm just, I, I just think it's going to be a big, big time. I might take the over too. I think it's going to be unofficial prediction. I think it's going to be. 4221. Unofficial prediction. I like it. 4221. I don't I just think New Mexico State's just gonna like score a couple like, touchdowns. I don't I don't think their offense is bad as uh, Vegas is predicting it. Um, it's either Vegas pre- thinking Nevada's gonna like put up fifty or New Mexico State's offense is gonna put up seven. I don't think any of those are gonna happen. So. 4221. I like it. I have class in five minutes um, next door. Do you have any final thoughts? No, sir. Thank you for listening. Give us a rating. That's going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you for listening. Give us a five-star rating. Um, Like and subscribe. We will see you guys next week.